Hey, thanks for joining us on another episode of Life, Love, and the Grind. Joining me today, Sean Allen from his remote location. And also, um, you've seen him on television. If you watch Telemundo, Univision, um, just about countless other media networks, you've also seen our other our guest today, Jorge Mojica, who's going to be joining us about uh, workers' rights, especially given this current situation we're in, which is just unprecedented, but workers are still out there. I mean, you fought, you fought very hard, Jorge, for uh, paid sick leave. You fought for other issues which are vitally important now. And it sounds like you're still continuing the fight. Tell us what it's like in your industry, what it's like in your fight. It's really awful. Uh, what we fought and won the earned sick days are only five days a year. So that's clearly insufficient for the current situation. So we are fighting to expand this to at least two paid weeks off because of the health emergency. And we are having hundreds of uh, workers calling and saying that their industries are being considered essential and therefore they continue working, but they are working in the same situation, awful working conditions. They have worked forever. So, you know, elbow to elbow, no masks, no uh, hand sanitizers, no nothing. And because the companies are considered to be essential, uh, they just keep open and working. Hundreds of workers uh, concentrated in small places. I mean, uh, I myself am an essential worker. Sean Allen has been deemed an essential worker, but a lot of our industries, it looks like a lot of our industries have at least taken the precautions of making sure people are safe, keeping them six feet apart. But some of these workers that you say you represent are not even getting those protections. What do you do? How do you help them in a situation like this? Well, we are basically calling people to strike, strike against coronavirus. Uh, because if you simply don't go to work anymore, you may lose your job legally. Uh, so the, the remedy may be to strike. If you declare yourself on a strike until working conditions improve, until companies follow to the letter, the, the executive order of Governor Pritzker and uh, all health recommendations by OSHA, the Occupational Safety and Health Administration, then you can go out, uh, go home, and the, the employer cannot fire you. That's the difference between going out on a strike and simply abandoning your job. Yeah. Sean, yeah, I, I know a lot of your uh, construction colleagues have been dealing with this, so you must have some questions as well. Well, I mean, I think the biggest thing is just, you know, like you say, on all these jobs that are deemed essential workers, how do you keep everyone six feet apart? In a lot of these, you know, factory jobs and stuff, you're on top of each other. I mean, with us, you know, I, we represent bricklayers, you know, tile, marble, precast, tuck pointers. I mean, we're all deemed essential workers. We want our members to keep working. But, I mean, what, you know, what do you do when they want you to be six feet apart when you're on top of construction sites and all this? It's just sometimes it's not possible, you know. So, I mean, what we do is we, we you can't tell our workers to go to work, right? I mean, if guys don't feel comfortable with working then if you want to stay home, you have every right to do that. If you want to protect yourself, your family, but you know, also on the flip side, what do we do with all these workers that they can't survive without, without these paychecks? I mean, you're, you're asking people to sit home for a month or maybe two months. I mean, how do, how, what do we tell these workers to just, Oh, sit tight and, you know, hang in there. Well, a lot of these people are living paycheck to paycheck. 
That is correct. But the other option is to keep working and then contract the virus and take it home to your family. Mm -hmm. So really, you know, the, the, the workers and, and particularly the kind of population we serve, which is a lot of uh, undocumented workers, don't have the luxury uh, to have health care. And of course, they have to pay the rent. So they keep working. But this is going to mean in the long term that hundreds and probably thousands of workers are going to get sick because they keep working. So you have to put it in the balance. What do you do? You know, your meager minimum wage salary uh, is not going to pay for your life. Our lives are more valuable than any company's profits. Yeah. You know, well, just, to, just to kind of touch on sure, what we sure. have with, uh, within the union, the union's taking really good measures and precautions on all these job sites. But on the flip side of that, these non-union construction sites have no precautions. They have no distancing. They have no hand sanitizer. I mean, you know, how do we crack down on these non-union, you know, I mean, my business, the construction sites and the non-union industries, I mean, when they could just get away with anything and then on the union sites, we're taking all the necessary precautions to the to the best of our abilities on doing the what's best for workers. I mean, how how can we crack down on these non-union sites or these non-union companies in in order to protect, you know, their workers? Well, basically, the response has been there forever. The right to organize uh, doesn't depend on having a labor union. Uh, all workers have the right to organize. All workers can go out and strike. And OSHA regulations have been there forever. The employer is mandated to have a workplace free of recognized hazards. So it's just a matter of workers knowing their rights, organizing in the workplace with or without a union, but mostly, as you are uh, uh, putting forward, uh, those workers without a union, they should know that the right to have a safe workplace still exists, even if they don't have a union. How Problem do you is, let them know? How do you let them know? go out there and, and organize them? It's uh, quite impossible for us to try, you know, the classical way of creating a, a, an organizing committee and educating them. This is a, a very pressing situation. So workers have to take action right away. What we are doing is providing them with letters uh, with the intention to strike, to deliver, to sign and deliver to their employers, and then see what happens. Uh, take it from there. How do you um, communicate this with workers right now? Because obviously this is critically important. It's a matter of health right now. It could be a matter of life. So you need to get the message out to these workers that, hey, you have these protections, make sure that the company is doing right by you. How do you make sure to get this message across to people? Social media and mainstream I media. Lost my audio. Uh, you were mentioning Univision before. Uh, Univision, incredibly enough, uh, has been uh, open uh, for us to send a message and, and they have put it, uh, out our phone numbers so people can, can contact us, people can request letters that we can send to them via email or just via Facebook, Messenger, whatever, uh, WhatsApp applications. So that's what we are doing. Uh, one thing, of course, is we are taking a lot of these uh, uh, workers' complaints to the Attorney General and to the Office of Labor Standards. But they have, of course, limited capacity. 
we cannot rely on government agencies to really go there and enforce, you know, 200 or 300 or 400 in 400 workplaces uh, the regulations. Uh, so workers have to take action by themselves. There is no other solution here. Well, I mean, some of these government agencies, can you bring that audio down, please, a little bit? Some of these um, government agencies themselves are kind of closed down right now throughout this virus. So they need to be protecting these workers and they themselves are not in a position where they're fully staffed, which I bet becomes more of a paramount concern to you in terms of how do we get these concerns addressed? And how do you do that? Deal is with that is correct. Uh, a few days ago, uh, Chicago Major Lori Lightfoot sent the police uh, to the front, uh, the, the front lake, you know, the, the, the parks in front of the lake, because of the hundreds of people that were gathering there without respecting uh, social distancing, et cetera, et cetera. And our comment to that was, why not sending the police to all these companies who are still operating uh, they shouldn't be many of them because they are not essential. And in the ones that even are essential, why don't you send police force to investigate, check out the situation, and then help the Office of Labor Standards uh, of the city of Chicago and BACP, you know, the Business Affairs and, and Consumer Protection Agency, uh, and the Attorney General. Uh, they, there's where the police should be, not in the lakefront. Well, I'll, I'll tell you this, and Sean will agree with me. I mean, communication just now is vitally important, but also quite a challenge. I mean, Sean traditionally sits right here next to me. We have another guest here. In order just to put on this show, we've had to take part in all these technological advances in order to get this message out. So, I mean, I can't even imagine in terms of mobilizing all these workers, Rory, what you have to deal with in order to make sure that these messages get out there and people know that the protections that they have are still there. And even though the government might not be working, these courts might not be working at full capacity, that they're still out there to protect the working rights. How, what do you tell people? I see that you do Facebook Lives fairly often. I see you have a big following on Facebook Live. Have, have you noticed that this is a good mobilization tool? Hey, Sarah. Sean, there was a question for you. You hear that? Did you hear that? Or? Sorry, did you kill my mic? Because I no, don't think they can no, hear me. They can hear you. <coughs> I think the question is for. Uh, that was for. Can you guys hear I'm me or not? I'm not hearing you. Whatever you did, could you please undo that? that? I didn't do anything. Can you guys hear us? Can you hear us in the studio? Can I hear can hear you a little bit. It's just kind of uh, like your echo. Where can you hear me? Anyone hear me now? Live. Uh, okay, yeah, that's okay, this is good. You can hear me. Can you guys both hear me? I can. I can hear you. Can you hear me? This is perfect because this illustrates my point. I could not have planned this any better. Uh, my question was: the communication faces challenges too. I mean, Sean, you can hear me now. Can yeah, you guys I hear me? a little bit? Sean used to sit right here, right next to me, and we used to be able to have a show. Now we've been able to have to capitalize on the technology to get the message out. Um, and my question was, Jorge, I see that you do Facebook Lives fairly often. Has this become kind of a key in getting your message out to workers?
Can you hear him, Jorge? You know, it's I think getting he... caught. It's, there's between an echo and, 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 and only some words we can hear or I can hear. Do me a favor. Try to uh, take a step back and see if we can find a better Wi-Fi signal in your place because I often find that when uh, it starts locking up, it's a, it's a Wi-Fi issue or an Internet issue. But in the meantime, we, we also have another guest. And let me move around better? because I, I needed to charge my phone uh, uh, and I got away from my my, uh, my router. Maybe I can do better. I hear you a little better on this end now. Uh, and guys, if you're just watching us, uh, you're witnessing some of the technological challenges that we have to deal with with putting on a show. The new world um, we live in. Exactly. Stop, stop that. Uh, you're noticing the technological uh, challenges that we have to deal with in putting the show on the air with three people in three remote locations. Um, but it's part of the challenge. I mean, this is the <laughs> of life where we have to kind of get a message out there with unideal circumstances. But the message is not only as important, but critically and vitally more important and life saving. So for that reason, we have a uh, Jorge Mojica, which hopefully you can hear me now. Hopefully you can hear me a little better. Can you? Thumbs up. I you... think so. Perfect. Because actually um, what I was saying that our studio audience uh, was listening to was there's a technological challenge going forward with this in terms of communication, just in terms of our show. And I'm sure you've had communication issues dealing with mobilization, but I've noticed you've done a lot of Facebook Lives. Tell me, has that been an effective mobilization tool for you? Well, so far we've been able to mobilize groups of workers. Uh, the, the situation is so awful that they are prompted to take action. So, you know, letters of support, a couple of phone calls. And what we do is uh, get workers themselves to mobilize their co-workers. Uh, we... we give them the basics, uh, the 101, very fast, incredibly organizing 101, uh, talk to your workers, talk to them over the phone or something, whatever, and uh, circulate a petition, and then you're on, you're, you're in business, you're organizing. Is not the tradition. We would do this, you know, taking our time, creating organizing committees, giving them workshops on labor rights, uh, we can do that now, uh, but never at a factory, uh, just a few days uh, at six. Uh, you know, with the, the, the social distancing and the physical distancing, of course, being observed. Uh, but we were talking to workers with Cristobal Sandoval uh, precisely because they were facing an incredibly awful situation where a couple co-workers had already been diagnosed with uh, COVID-19. So He's actually uh, on the line with us right now. You have to go there and do it personally. Uh, Cristobal, can you hear us? Yes, I can. How are you, my dear brothers? Doing well. Doing well. Thank Hello, you so I'm much for joining us. Um, and and actually, we, can't hear we were actually just talking about um, the work you've done. Um, so first of all, tell us the organization you're with and the struggle you had to deal with recently with some of the employees at one of the companies having to deal with COVID-19 and, and what you've done. 
We are Immigrant Solidarity Page, and we are, our mission is to educate, organize, and mobilize DuPage County. Escucha? We are Immigrant Solidarity Page. Our mission is to educate, organize, and mobilize DuPage County around the can rights. Can you hear him, Raza? Yeah, I can hear him just hear? fine. Yeah, yeah, you hear? Yeah, we can hear you. We can hear you. I okay, can't hear from? him. Okay, Sean, uh, we'll fill you in in just one second here. But first of all, if you could just uh, uh, talk about a little about the work you've done. Yes, we're inspired by Jorge, really, and the, the, a lot of the, the work that he's done. We started a worker center. Uh, I think we're about three years old, the, the Casa DuPage Worker Center here in, in Wheaton. Um, we're an immigrant rights organization. We started after the mega marches in 2007. Um, but the past five, six years, the majority of the calls have been calls on workers' rights and calls on wage theft and people that want to unionize. So we had to go and um, learn how to labor organize. <laughs> so uh, we've been doing that um, for the past five years. And um, the West Chicago has been particularly a hotbed of activity because they've been the only majority Latino town in DuPage. And um, so this happened last week and the callers, the phones were ringing off the hook um about what had happened the workers outraged about the coronavirus and having to show up and work so i bet you've had to learn quite a bit uh throughout this experience on how to get the work because again we were talking about how this is literally a life and death issue right now for people and, and what you've had to do so uh, the, the company they, they shut down for a few days right they did some cleaning um they did all that work what happened then? I, I understand that uh, Casa DuPage uh, also approached them that there's certain conditions that they want them to meet. Is that correct? Yeah, they, they agreed to shut down for four days, um, shutting down on Thursday, uh, shutting down on Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday. And they just, they all just opened on Tuesday. Uh, we are calling and we, we continue to call for two weeks, paid leave for the workers. And that's to clean the company up but I think the, big, the biggest concern that we have is that a lot of the workers, and we just saw a third case happen on Sunday, a lot of the workers assume that they're sick. And um, the, the policy at the company right now is to, uh, you know, they have a nurse there and they're checking people's temperature and they gave people a pretty form to self-identify, you know, have you been around anyone with coronavirus? Um, do you suspect you're infected? Um, have you been anywhere? And, and the, the big irony is the only place that they've been around where people are infected is at their company. <laughs> so the, we've been trying to highlight this um, in the press and, and with the workers. And um, and so that those are our calls. We're trying to get two weeks of paid uh, time for the worker. And we want every single worker checked. And this is what the workers want themselves, to know that they're going back, not sick, but they're going back healthy. And of course, they're they're making food for the community and they're making um you know electrolyte drinks and we want to make sure the health the consumer safety component here that we don't have uh, infected workers making inadvertently food and the workers have this under conscious you know they, they've told the, our worker center we don't want to be part of some kind of social sin here you know being obliged to do something we won't want to do and potentially affecting people's food I mean, it's just the safety of the workers. But on top of that, I didn't even think about that. I mean, this is consuming products people consume. So you got to make sure that safety is throughout the whole process, that, that nothing's being contaminated. Let me ask you this. How closely do both of your organizations work together? And how closely do you work, especially in light of a crisis like this, which is affecting a broader community? Let's start with you, Jorge. Yeah, 
Well, there's a handful of worker centers. Uh, you know, originally, uh, Cristobal Cavazos uh, started with an immigrant organization. And then, of course, they became involved in labor rights uh, work because most immigrants work and most immigrants were reporting bad working conditions. Uh, so that's that's a focus. That's a concentration. But of course, this is endless. I mean, it goes from side to side. If you're an immigrant, if you don't speak English, if you're a factory worker, if you're a minimum wage worker, then your working, living health conditions are going to be awful uh, all across the board. And then it transcends even that. If you work at a McDonald's, it doesn't matter if you are an undocumented worker or you are a U.S. citizen, you earn minimum wage, your working conditions are on have benefits and so on and on. So there's an identifier among all working class, definitely. Uh, what we do, we try coordinating efforts. Uh, sometimes it's not possible because of distances, but we combine and, and share resources. Uh, so Cristobal and, and myself have been involved uh, in, in several struggles out there in DuPage, uh, DuPage County. Uh, you know, because if you have some kind of expertise, you have to share it. Uh, knowledge is not to make money, you know. Knowledge is to be shared and resources are to be shared, definitely. And, and, and the target is to share it with workers in the end so they can take action. Well, uh, I, I can't agree with you more. Sean's back with us. Sean, can you hear us? Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, uh, and I cannot uh, agree with you more, Jorge, when you talk about it's how important it is to share resources. As a matter of fact, the reason, the way I found Cristobal is somebody mentioned to me, someone else in the press, that's like, this is a great story. This is a great resource. You need to contact them. You need to see if he can shed some light on what's going on in the fight for workers' rights and worker safety and the safety of all the consumers who consume the products that are being produced in a situation like this. So if you're just joining us, which it looks like there's quite a few people who are now, um, we are talking with uh, Jorge Mojica and uh, Cristobal. And I'm going to say this wrong to make sure to correct me. Uh, Cavazos, correct? Or yeah, Cavazos. Cavazos. Um, okay. We have a little dip in the middle there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the, the tilde. <laughs> but, yeah, um, yeah, no tilde, but you're honest. <laughs> but but um, both of uh, both of you are sharing with us some of the resources and some of the challenges that workers, especially the Hispanic workers, the Latino workers, are having to face in a situation like this, in terms of getting the communication out there for their own safety. Um, let's talk a little about that. Tell me some of the more important lessons that you are learning as this process goes on. Well, you know, uh, what I would say right now is um, I think Jorge has been a really good example to us, the younger organizers, that um, I think when there's moments of crisis here, the workers want to see boldness, you know. They want to see people out there. And um, if we're attempting to be any kind of a vanguard organization and helping the workers here, we really have to be the most active, the most vocal here. And the most, um, I think that the, the, particularly the Mexican workers, they like to see there the, there's an old saying that boldness breeds beauty magic and power and um you know i, I think that uh that more and more the latino workers i want to see a bold leadership you know they want to see jorge mujica on facebook on sunday night you know <laughs> letting them know what's happening in the world you know making sense of things <laughs> um you know they want to see um 
us answering calls. You know, we, we start to get calls at six in the morning and they want to see us there. And particularly they want to see the action. So um, I, I think, um, you know, with the state of the labor movement that has been, as you guys know, you know, there's been some major declines in the labor movement. Um, I think that's coincided with some major advances in the worker centers. And, um, and like I say, the, uh, particularly here in Chicago, I think that, the, that since the 2006 mega marches and, and Jorge in the March, um, March 16th coalition, right? March, what's the, the March? I forget the date. March 12th? Yeah, the, maybe 12th. The, the original, original coalition of immigrants in Chicago, the March, the coalition, in, there's always been a focus on labor here in, 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 the, in Chicago. And I think that's continued on, um, particularly with our group, Immigrant Society Page, that we've seen at the core of the immigrant struggle, a labor struggle, and, and really in the end, an international struggle for workers' rights. Well, labor has never faced, just like all of us have never faced a crisis like this. And like you said, when a crisis happens, that's when this boldness is needed. That's when people need to step up um, and, and really take the bull by the horns and make sure that the workers are safe and that, that there's some lead out there. Jorge, tell us, I mean, how has it been for you? I see you're out there on Facebook mobilizing, talking to your constituents, keeping them communicated with. How important do you find that that communication to be with your members? And if uh, if Jorge can't hear me, then the same question goes to you, Crystal. Uh, can you say that one more time? Oh, can you hear me? I think you. Um, hopefully you guys can hear me. And again, if you're watching this and if you guys can hear me, this is again, the communication, um, technical difficulties that we face in getting a message across to you, but it's still fundamentally important that we come to you and bring you these messages about how work workers are dealing with these issues. So I was just asking both of you, um, by your show of thumbs up, who can hear me right now? Hey, two out of three. I love it. The odds two out of three is not bad. We'll take it. Oh, hey, look. I don't know if you gave me a thumb. Go ahead without me. Go ahead without me. You gave me some finger. That wasn't the thumb. Um, but, yeah, so uh, tell us about the uh, challenges that, that the, the labor movement faces right now and getting that message across. Well, I think, you know, my dear brothers, we're seeing corporate power, the oligarchy, the plutocracy. Uh, it's never been more entrenched. Um, I think the conditions for the immigrant workers in our community have never been tighter. You know, I, I hear the work days that people are putting in, um, you know, they're working what would have been three or four jobs, you know, even like 20 years ago with, with the technology they're using. Um, the capitalism has gotten extremely acute right now at this level that we're in right now. And it's really the worker, the working class that's taking it the hardest. And particularly if you're undocumented and you're working in the service sector, in the warehouse sector, in the factory sector, you are being particularly hit hard by um, by just this 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 insane drive for profit before the people, and um, and that's really what we're trying to get out there. You know, that's what the worker centers are going to. They are always bringing the truth that it's the people are going to be coming before the profit. And that's what we're getting the organized, the, the organized because um, here in DuPage, where, where I'm at, I'm in Wheaton right now, um, there's factories all over the area, workers. We have two big issues here in the, in, the, in the Mexican community in DuPage. 
half of the workers are being forced to work, risking their health, you know, and their and their safety. They're they're being called um, in factories in West Chicago in Elkro Village. You know, you're seeing about half of the workers forced to work with no protections for their lives. And I really think the bosses could care less, you know, if they have coronavirus or not. They're probably just going to get fired if they do. Um, and then the other half are completely unemployed because they've been laid off. Um, they've just been told, you know, we'll call you whenever there's work again. So you really see right now in this acute time in crisis where you have a ruling class that's given $2.2 trillion to the stock market and to the bonds, but they're really taking the workers, the workers that are out there on the streets and the warehouse and the factories and the restaurant, and they're just letting them twist in the wind. So this really highlights one of the contradictions of capitalism at this moment right now. And, um, and in that contradiction, the capitalism that we could see quite clearly here, that this is not an economic system that's sustainable, um, that's healthy, or that has any kind of humanism um, in it. And that's where the work of organizing comes in. Sean, would you so like where, to lean on this? Where do we go forward on this? I'd like to know. So, you know, being in the construction sector of, um, you know, unions, where are we go? I mean, do you see a strong surge of Latino workers joining the unions after we get out of this pandemic? Because, I mean, in our field, it's about 80 percent of the non-union workforce is Latino. Do you think that they're going to try to come in or, or where do you see it going after this pandemic? Can you hear me? I, I heard you. It's it, better it, now. Okay, uh, Sean, repeat the question. No, so I'm saying, so after all this pandemic's over, you know, obviously I'm with the construction side. Um, you know, 80% of our non-union workforce is Latinos. Do you, do you see them joining unions after this pandemic? Do you see kind of a spark or a revolution of them kind of coming forward and wanting a better life? Or where, where do you see the labor movement kind of after this pandemic? If, if I may respond... Uh, that's a complicated question, uh, and it deserves a complicated answer. Uh, labor unions are now facing a very big problem, is the limits of their collective bargaining agreements. Labor unions, I think, have to learn in this pandemic to be incredibly more bold and write a whole lot better collective bargaining agreements. Uh, when I say workers can strike because of their health and safety conditions if they are not union that doesn't apply to union members because of the famous non-strike clauses in the collective bargaining agreements so labor unions have to change labor unions have to change also uh, in order to try to attract these latino workers latino workers are willing to join unions but structurally speaking labor unions have a lot of complications when they uh, want to work with Latino workers because they don't have bilingual organizers, they don't have bilingual business agents, they don't have, they don't translate the collective bargaining agreements. So they cannot serve the Latino workers, Latino immigrant workers very well. And that's a big obstacle. So yes, uh, the population would be willing to join, I think. That's what I get from workers. They are willing to. But labor unions have a lot of structural impediments to really serve efficiently this population. Well, it, it seems to me very clear that in order to represent the needs of, 
a population of people, you have to be able to reach out to them. You have to be able to communicate with them and make sure that you know their needs. I, I know, for instance, uh, Sean Allen, being an organizer, took the initiative to take Spanish classes. And I also followed suit and was a very poor Spanish student and had to uh, drop out of his classes. <laughs> Well, buenos dias. Yeah, I mean, we have to evolve with the times. You know, obviously, we knew that we know the new workforce is coming in. It's majority Latinos, um, but we have to find a way for these Latinos to want to come and join unions. You know, I mean, I'm you know, my family come from Ireland many, many, many generations ago. You know, so the Irish, the Italian workers, the Polish workers, they all came and they joined right to the labor movement. They ran right to the union halls. Where now it's like. We have all the workforce there. We have all these workers, but they're not wanting to join the unions, you know, and, and in my non-union workforce, it's six to seven days a week, 10 to 12 hours a day, no health, no health insurance, no benefits, but they don't pay taxes. So they don't, they, they're scared to join the union because they're like, well, I don't want to pay taxes. I don't want the taxes taken out, you know? So, I mean, this is a huge fight that we're always fighting with them as well, because they like that. They like working for cash and all that. And that's actually a huge, uh, a huge issue that we're dealing with with the state, you know. So there's so many obstacles on how we have to try to intrigue everyone to join the labor movement for the greater good of all workers. I can't hear Sonny. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, what was that? I can't hear Sonny. Oh, like oh, you couldn't hear Sean? Uh, Sean, to recap what he was saying, was talking about some of the um, struggles in bringing certain segments of the population into the labor movement. Um, but in responding, I believe, to what uh, Jorge, and tell me if I'm mixing up what anyone was saying about how, how the labor movement and unions in particular need to become more inclusive and have policies that bring in certain segments of the population. I think what's also, can you hear me? Mm-hmm. What, what, what uh, I believe. Yeah, uh, and, and go ahead. I'm sorry. If, if I may again, uh, that's another lesson for both workers and labor unions is uh, these new organizations like Cristobal's and, and myself, uh, the worker centers. We have access to, to these populations. We can convey the message of labor unions to these populations. We can bring these workers into labor unions. Uh, we are not labor unions, but we can very well be the the, the middleman, the, the the step in between. So labor unions, little by little, are learning to work with worker centers. Uh, we have respect unions the way they are, uh, but they have to learn that we can deliver. Uh, last year, we organized five groups of workers into labor unions. Uh, you know, from from teachers to uh, uh, welders and whatnot. So we can do it, we can deliver, but labor unions have to really learn to work with us too, the same way we are learning to work with labor unions. Well, I think Jorge, do you, do you see a good partnership between the labor unions and what you guys have going on? Can you hear me? Um, Sean was asking if you see a, a good partnership between labor unions and um, and the community groups that you do. Can you hear me? I could, I could hear you perfectly. Perfect. So so it's a mishmash of who can hear what. So it's like a puzzle that's developing as we go, just like what's going on out there. We're going to learn as we go. But one of the things that uh, I will ask um, for whoever can hear me and, and anyone who can hear me, please a thumbs up. 
and hopefully you all can hear me out there because um, I know a couple people can't even hear. And again, this is yeah. the technology. Um, we're competing with every other broadband provider who's streaming uh, their dancing and their dogs. So we're trying to get an important message out there, but those messages are important in their own way. One of the things that I will ask, uh, Jorge, can you hear me now? No, no, I guess uh, One out of every three words. Uh, so I got to make one out of every three words important. <laughs> uh, he didn't get that yeah, joke. Yeah, very <laughs> poorly. <laughs> um, I would be remiss if I didn't say which organization you're with. You're with Arise Chicago, which is a labor faith organization. Tell us about that and tell us about the work you do. Arise Chicago was originally created as a religious and faith leader solidarity network with labor unions. But, you know, down the line, uh, workers started going to Arise Chicago and saying, I am not union. I'm not a union member. How can you help me? So Arise created a worker center, and that's, that's the, the site where I work. And, and we have been developing ever since for the last uh, 18 years. Uh, what we do is, a lot of do, is teaching workers, educating workers, organizing workers. So if you don't have the right information, you cannot enforce and exercise your rights. So we do a lot in this area, you know, uh, educating workers, uh, making them aware of their rights, teaching them the basics, want to organize a group of workers in the workplace, and then getting them ready to take action, if possible at all, and that's uh, always our objective, if possible at all, uh, we try to unionize uh, this group. Not time is possible, sometimes you deal with... Uh, a small factory with 30, 40, 50, 60 workers. That's an easy one. Sometimes you deal with incredibly big operations with 3,000 workers, and that's uh, almost an impossible task. Uh, not even labor unions go after uh, corporations with 3,000 workers and 47 locations. It's incredibly difficult. But we do whatever we can, uh, starting with education again, and then creating, organizing committees, training the workers, and uh, helping them and supporting them to take action. That's what we do. You've recovered a lot of stolen wages. Tell us about that. Stolen wages. We helped uh, Navit, for instance, uh, you know, your own union. My union. Unionizing Channel 11 uh, <laughs> and, and, uh, <laughs> and the public channels in Chicago. <laughs> it's funny, I was just so we lend support and solidarity. Um, and I'll say this, um, the work you did for us, we brought you into our negotiation with another television station because of the work you've done and, and because of what we've seen you do. But what I think is vitally important now is how you're continuing that work to ensure the safety of union, non-union, just the people out there, just people who are out there trying to make a living, feed their family, and how you're getting this message across that while COVID-19 is threatening our community, there are groups of people here to help you. I'd like both of you to respond to that or whoever heard it. <laughs> no, I heard it. Um, I think in a lot of ways, one of the beautiful openings for a worker center is we're kind of going back to the soul. At least, you know, we're trying to. the Almost like the syndicalist soul of unionizing. Um, I, I witnessed, I was born in 1979. I've witnessed a completely reform-oriented unionism. Uh, my dad was a Teamster Local 705, and um, 
I, you know, they, they respect the, the members of the union. Um, but we've seen a lot of in that time, a lot of a lot of the delays, a lot of uh, a lot of losses of overtime. And I really think it's been the style that we've seen in the United States of a Samuel Gompers type reformist unionism. You know, um, we take whatever we can get. You know, we're cautious. We're tied to the Democratic Party. You know, um, we are we're, we just wanted to just the status quo a little bit to the left. But I think, um, you know, like our organization, we've gone back and we've read Enrique Flores Magón, you know, the famous Mexican anarchist. We've gone back to to read uh, Emiliano Zapata, that at the core of, of wealth is the labor theory of value. You know, the land belongs to the people that work it. Um, we've gone back and read some of these syndicalists, you know, the Peter Kropotkin and the mutual aid. So we, what we see here is that um, we're in the past in our organization, we would just send people to talk to the unions. And, um, you know, that we would just hire some paid organizer, but inspired by the soul of unionization, you know, the syndicalist soul, we might say the radical solidarity, the workers control of production, who talks about that anymore? But I think these are some of the ideas that um, they were talking about in Immigrant Society Page and the Casa de Page Worker Center. Uh, we're part of the Interfaith Workers Justice Network, and we, we had a, a conference a few months ago, and we're seeing some really beautiful organizing in, in apple orchards and um, in North Carolina, in the, in, the, in the pig plants, in the Purdue chicken in Texas. Um, and you're seeing a lot of creative people in the Latino community here that are really bringing back unionization to its radical core. And I think what's that radical core? We're not unionizing just because we want to reform or we just want a little bit more money or we just want, um, you know, a, uh, better treatment on the job. All of that is important. But I think workers, in particular the Latino community, are more and more realizing that we are creating the wealth here. And in a, in a factory, we see some of these factories where the hateful boss drives in in a Mercedes or a BMW and just looks at the workers with scorn. Hmm. And, you know, as the, as, the French, as the French like to say, you know, behind every big fortune is a big theft. And I think um, in our community, we're starting to take that. We're trying to strike that to heart more and more. Um, and we're bringing back that core that it's that unionization is not just reform. You know, it's not just a capitalism light. It's really asking for more. It's really understanding that we're creating the value here um, and we deserve more, if not all of it. Wow. Well, I think you can see that better now than ever, that workers have all the power because the world shut down. Raza, you can't hear me. Maybe relate this. I can hear you. I hear you. Maybe related to Cristobal. Because what I'm saying is that, you know, everyone's seeing now more than ever that we have if all the power. you can relate what Sean is saying, because yeah. I can't hear him. Oh, yeah. Um, Sean was saying more than ever now. Um, he sees that workers have more control because of what's going on. We have um, all the power. And I think even the, the capitalists and the corporate, you know, bosses realize that, you know, without us on the front lines doing all the work, they're, they're not surviving either. So better, better now more than ever, the work, the workers and, you know, union members in particular are the future and are the, the dominant force in the entire country. Did you guys hear that? He can't hear it. Uh, can you hear uh, any of this? Can you hear the stuff I'm saying? And a great I can hear you. I can hear you. Perfectly. Oh, okay. I can hear you too, Raza. Great, great, great. I can't hear Sean. I, I just can't hear Sean. Uh, 
And, and that's what keeps this ex exciting and interesting. It's so exciting, <laughs> dude. I'm, it's a blast. It's like an orchestra of who can hear <laughs> Yeah, it. what a fun but you, time. you know what? It really is like a puzzle. And just like everything going on out there, this is what we're going to do. We're going to figure it out as we go along. Part of the reason we did this show today was to promote that these two excellent guests will be joining us again Sunday on WCPT, where we will have the airwaves behind us and be able to get the message out to a broader audience where hopefully everyone can hear what's going on. Um, but I consider this a promotion, a promotion <coughs> that needs to be done to let people know what exactly um, is going is going to be the next show because this is something we need to know what's happening with workers on the front lines who need a voice out there. This is all that matters. You and know, us workers on the front lines. Absolutely. Always and forever. And I'm actually reading some uh, comments that are coming in and I'm seeing that uh, uh, Rich Lewandowski is saying hello. And Rich Lewandowski, for anyone who doesn't know, is one of our best friends in, and one of our premier um premier printers who we've used quite a bit sean's used him i've used him in my union runs and campaign runs. sean tell us a little about him i know he's four generations deep in the printing business and has always provided good products yeah well i mean i he helped me win my election my race we did mailers that were you know a great price and always on time and he also used sars sadat you know the our great you know third wheel to our show you know, helped her win her race and so many others, you know, it's, uh, it's important to not only promote the good union workers, but also the good union printers and just good union, everything American made union made 100%. a family that's been doing it for four generations has perfected. Their art has always provided quality printing services. And I can't say one thing we've used him numerous times. And as a matter of fact, we had a guest on here when we did our sponsorship, who was like, Oh yeah, I use him. He's great. And it's just, um, in this community we're working, we need to know the people who do good work, who provide good products out there, and know better than Breaker Press and Richard Lewandowski. Yeah, we appreciate his support always. And always use Union. Always use Union. Um, guys, any other messages you want to get across? Jorge Thirsty. Jorge, can you hear us? Yeah. Jorge. I don't know if you can hear it, Reza. All right. Not at all. We can hear you. <laughs> Message to what? You got to love this yeah. this great technology. And that, that's for you, Jorge. <laughs> What's your message? It up again. What it says? Message. Hold it up again, Reza. It's. <laughs> Raza, can you hold up? I don't have the best penmanship, so let me uh, bear with me for a second. Well, the basic, the basic message for our basic message worker is look for information, become aware. Not only, not only good man memes uh, uh, regarding coronavirus. <laughs> Uh, look for information, search, uh, learn to, 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 you know, find good information. And uh, as, as we always say, uh, rumors only create panic. Good information creates organization. So share good information. Uh, we have a lot of resources. 
If you go to our website, www.arisechicago.org, we have a new tab with updated information on workers' rights during the uh, COVID-19 uh, pandemic. Uh, we have frequently asked questions in English, Spanish, and Polish. Uh, we have new videos we have developed on uh, how to apply for unemployment, uh, the famous uh, basic package, Uh, you know, who's going to get the checks, who's not going to get them. Of course, the bad news is that mostly immigrants are not going to get any kind of help uh, and they cannot apply for unemployment, etc. cetera. Uh, so we have to, to go to other kind of resources from uh, food banks uh, and et cetera, et cetera. But mostly and foremost, learn your rights in the workplace we have an incredible manual you can you know download it you can read it online and 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 if you don't know what your rights are then you cannot exercise them you cannot enforce them so that's step number one you know get the information and and we will do everything we can because also problem personal speaking want to solve it. Workers have to solve the problems themselves. They are the ones in the middle of these incredibly awful situations. If they don't take action, nobody is going to be the savior. Nobody come and solve the problem for them. Raza, pull it back a little bit. No, por favor, excelente. Uh, <risa> ok, 3, 2, 1 tenemos muchos recursos para los trabajadores pero el paso número uno es aprender sus derechos si uno no sabe a qué tiene derechos pues no puede ejercer esos derechos vayan a nuestro sitio web o a nuestra página de Facebook arisechicago.org déjenme hacer una propaganda muy rápida aquí es... Ay, Perdón, van a ver, aquí está la propaganda rápidamente, eh, se escribe Arise, Arise, Arise <laughs> Chicago, ok. <laughs> That's a piece of propaganda, Arise Chicago, <laughs> ORG. Eh, los trabajadores mismos tienen que resolver los problemas. Yo no estoy en la fábrica, yo no estoy en la compañía, yo no estoy en la situación en la que ustedes están. Ustedes tienen que aprender cómo resolver. Nosotros podemos apoyar de lejos, con llamadas, con documentos, pero cada trabajador tiene que tomar acción en su lugar de trabajo. That's pretty much it. Well, thank you. Thank and now, Chris, I'm going to ask you the same question. I want it in English, Spanish, and then French. Oh, well, bon. Um, <laughs> First English, please. What's your, uh, give us the message. You know, I think um, for everyone listening out there, I really feel in a lot of ways it's the worker centers that are at the vanguard of a lot of struggles right now. Um, you know, we're in our worker center, we have a rapid response network. In our worker center, we have a cultural committee. In our worker center, we have anyone who comes to volunteer has been plugged in with something. And um, I really feel that the worker centers are at the cutting edge of creating what you might call working class consciousness. Um, you know, uh, Uh, new worker culture, you know, we do, we sing in our worker center. I mean, in, in a lot of ways, um, it's really the worker center. If, if, if you're out there and you want to get involved, 
that there's really so much that we can do because there's so much need out there um, <coughs> to get involved. There's so much abuse out there. If I think of DuPage County, you know, it's um, before we started the worker center, it, the, the, the news that would go around, bosses hitting workers, um, the wage theft, the abuse, um, you know, you name it. It, it, it. it was like a zoo out here. And I like to think that by existing here, we're bringing a little bit of civilization back here and emboldening the workers, because as Jorge knows, every time there's a victory, I think there's a new boldness that the workers have, you know, that to, to the word gets around, you know, that um, we don't have to just be, you know, the, the cheap labor force, you know, the cheap wage, the cheap, cheap wage earners here, that we really could be dignified in the struggle here, that we could transform our workplaces here. And I think every struggle that we've been in, it doesn't only transform, you know, it's not just a struggle for rights. It's really a struggle for dignity. And when the dignity of a human being is out there, you know, you're just more alive, you know, you're more free. You, you feel or, you know, the, 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 the water tastes sweeter, you know, whatever you want to call it. But I really feel that um, by struggling, particularly in the Latino community and the, the working class community here, we are recovering our humanity here. And in that, it's recovering the humanity of every other worker here because, um, you know, I grew up, my parents were farm workers and um, they, they, they came up here to do um, sugar beets and Joliet and uh, cucumbers in Dansville. So that's how they got up here. But um, the way that workers were treated, you know, just like a piece of garbage and a beaner. And um, so I think we've come a long way and it's not coincidentally, I feel that the labor struggle is at the heart of everything that the heart of the labor struggle has been in the soul of everything here. So if you're not involved in the labor center, you know, get involved in the worker center. We're here, the rise is there. You know, um, I think there's enough work for everybody and there's a lot of things to be changing, uh, particularly during COVID-19 and the coronavirus here, where you really see the most savage aspects of capitalism coming out here, uh, forcing workers to work against their will, um, looking at the profits, you know, allowing this to happen just by by neglect, by focusing only on the markets here and um, the worker center here, our focus is exactly on the workers here and the people before profits. And you don't often think about that with DuPage County. DuPage County is known for its wealth, um, generally speaking, one of the richest counties in the country. Yet this is kind of the the invisible struggles that a lot of people face in this very county. Is that correct? Yeah, you know, to, to paraphrase Langston Hughes, you know, I grew up in DuPage County. Uh, DuPage County was never DuPage County for me. <laughs> you know, I never took part in the in the wealth. And um, but I think that's true that the, the Latino community has grown here. Uh, we have Elk Grove Village that has one of the largest industrial parks in the in the United States, if I'm not mistaken. We have a huge belt in Bolingbrook and, um, you know, that goes to Addison here. And I think it's all premised and that there's just going to be cheap, unlimited, cheap labor. And I think that's changing. You know, I think that it's not just a given there's going to be unlimited cheap labor anymore. And if there is, that that unlimited cheap labor is more and more conscious of themselves as workers. So the, the, the yes, in this, it's a, it's kind of funny because, you know, the facade of DuPage County is this wealthy elite place here. But the reality from the calls in the restaurants and the service sector, the factories here um, have all been the complete opposite of abuse, of, um, of, of hardship and of corporate greed that just completely overlooks the lives and the well-beings of the workers. It also is, is, is 
worth mentioning, in the past 25 years, three out of four jobs in DuPage County have been low-wage jobs, service sector jobs, warehouse jobs, and restaurant jobs, and landscaping jobs. And who is doing those jobs? Not the people here in Wheaton, where I'm at right now, but the Latino community, uh, our African-American brothers and sisters, single moms. Um, it's really been a really parasitical relationship here in DuPage between the oligarchy and the workers, which we're trying to turn over. So is your work, have you, have you found it to make it more equitable to at least bring that to the consciousness of the people in this county and, and your work with Arise, the broader community? Is that for, for Jorge? Uh, that's for you, actually. Um, the, the work you're doing, is it making it, do you see the progression to make it more equitable in DuPage County? And then I was wondering about any relationships you have with Arise and other organizations to bring it to a broader perspective. You know, I think we've done about 50 struggles since we started the group, about 50 struggles. You know, we haven't been around as long as, as Arise, but um, there's been about 50 struggles that we've taken, and those workers have stuck with us, and they've gone on to other factories. You know, sometimes we've won and sometimes we've lost, but, you know, those workers keep up the struggle here, and they keep on inspiring more workers because, you know, as Jorge points out, this isn't coming from us. We're trying to, uh, to produce a consciousness in the working class here and, uh, and where we're at and that they go on and giving more, bring more consciousness wherever they're at here. And this might look like a union. This might look like a collective action. This might look like a, we've formed a lot of workers associations where it's not actually a union, but it's a, it's, there's two or three workers that are, that are fighting for a similar thing. So it works like a union. So, um, yeah. And then, and as far as working with Arise, you know, I think Arise has been really a vanguard for us. We've learned a lot from Arise and from Jorge. Uh, they're an older organization, but I think they're really, I can't think of another organization in Chicago that's doing more than Arise. And, um, and, I, and I can't think of an activist in Chicago that is more um, loyal to the working class than Jorge. You know, literally, I, I can call him on the phone when, I, when there's a struggle or we don't know what to do and he'll be there. And I think that that's really a legacy of what, um, you know, how valuable Jorge is to us in the labor movement here in Chicago and the immigrant rights movement. I can say for my union, maybe at Local 41, he's been countless, uh, countlessly advocate for us, takes my calls whenever I want, whether it's work with NABED or whether it's uh, work to be like, hey, I got a radio show that I want you to get the message across out on. He's always available to us. So, I mean, I cannot appreciate and thank him enough for that. I, I, I will ask you just uh, one more question, uh, Chris Wallace, to give your message in Spanish to any of our viewers and listeners who... Um, would like to hear it in Spanish. And then later, I'd like to remind you, I know um, Sean cut out the connection as all the connections um, going on right now are kind of weak, but Sean Allen will be hosting the show on Sunday with both of you gentlemen, where we can um, get this message out to a broader audience. And this is a message worth repeating just because there's so much struggle going on right now to figure out what's happening. Um, I just want to get that plug out there. Both of uh, these gentlemen will be joining us Sunday, three o'clock WCPT. But, uh, yeah, just give your message in Spanish, if you would. Pues yo quiero decir a la gente que los trabajadores crean toda la riqueza, como nosotros sabemos, son los trabajadores que producen el valor. Este, más y más en la comunidad mexicana y la comunidad latina, nos estamos dando cuenta de que nosotros podemos agarrar las riendas de nuestras vidas, eh, sobre todo en las luchas laborales. Um, pasamos la mayoría de nuestros días trabajando ahí, como haciendo de... Eh, cualquier capricho de los patrones, eh, como dice Jorge, los patrones cabrones. Este, pero cuando hay una lucha laboral, cuando ustedes que están escuchando están inspirando a los demás, organicémonos. 
organicémonos, o sea, movilicémonos. ¿Eh? Hay una belleza ahí, que vive ahí, cuando estás defendiendo tu pueblo, porque sí se puede hablar de mexicanismo, patriotismo, pero lo que yo veo, la, el alma de una persona está en la lucha, la identidad viene de la lucha, la, el significado de la vida, todo viene de la lucha, y en las fábricas en que nosotros hemos luchado, en la comunidad mexicana, cada una de esas luchas que hemos armado, la gente sale de ahí con más conciencia, más viva, más poderosa, más de eh, una altura más alta como seres humanos. Y es ahí que le digo que eh, los centros de trabajadores estamos haciendo lo posible para sembrar una conciencia eh, laboral, una conciencia de trabajadores. Y este, yo les animo, anima a los demás, organiza si no tienes sindicato, si no tienes asociación, organízate, anima a los demás y vamos a ver lo que se puede pasar porque todo está en flujo aquí, estamos animando que ese flujo va en dirección de la clase trabajadora. Sean, did you get all that? The Spanish class is paying off? I got it all. Yeah, well, I heard every word and it sounded great. We cannot thank you both um, enough for joining us. It, it was absolutely educational, inspirational and not over for those of us who uh, Uh, those of you watching and listening, um, both of these gentlemen will be joining us again. That's Jorge Mojico. And uh, say your name for me, because uh, Cristobal, I got the last name, still throws me off a little bit. Cavazos. That's it. Cavazos. Uh, <laughs> both of you guys will be joining us on our, uh, on our show, hosted by Sean Allen on WCPT, 3 o'clock, 8.20 a.m., WCPT, 3 o'clock. Um, I can't wait to hear the message that you have and, and to tell what workers are dealing with in DuPage County, in Cook County, with Arise, with any organization which serves the immigrant community and, and helps people deal with the dignity of work. Fundamentally, it's about the dignity of work. And, and Sean, uh, let's get some final thoughts from you. Um, yeah, thank you guys for coming. Make sure to tune in on Sunday, three o'clock, uh, WCPT 820. Yeah, we'll uh, follow up with this and uh, talk more about uh, workers' rights and how to get a union message out more. Appreciate you guys for coming on, though. Absolutely. Thank you both for your time. Um, it looks like Jorge dropped off. He had things to do, but we appreciate both of your time. I know you guys have a struggle out there. I know you're fighting the good fight in very adverse, adverse conditions. So thank you for taking a moment out to talk to us and tell us about this fight. Thank you both. Thank you very much, my dear brothers. Stay strong. Adelante. Strong. Thank you. Thank you.